Our reading this morning comes from the book of uh, Ephesians chapter 4. Ephesians chapter 4 and I'm reading from verse 17. Ephesians 4 and reading from verse 17. So I tell you this and insist on it in the Lord that you must no longer live as the Gentiles do in the futility of their thinking. They are darkened in their understanding and separated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them due to the hardening of their hearts. Having lost all sensitivity, they have given themselves over to sensuality so as to indulge in every kind of impurity with continual lust for more. You, however, did not come to know Christ that way. Surely you have heard of him and were taught in him in accordance with the truth that is in Jesus. You were taught with regard to your former way of life to put off your old self which is being corrupted by its deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. Therefore, each of you must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbour, for we are all members of one body. In your anger, do not sin. Do not let the sun go down while you are still angry and do not give the devil a foothold. He who has been stealing must steal no longer but must work doing something useful with his own hands that he may have something to share with those in need. Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs that it may benefit those who listen. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God with whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice. Be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Let's pray together. Father God, we pray that as we look into your word this morning, that we might clearly see Jesus, that we might hear him speaking to us, and that we might be transformed from within by his Holy Spirit, working within each one of us. So we pray that you would speak to us, that you would help to mould us and make us into the people that you want us to be. In Jesus' name we pray together. Amen. Over the last uh, five weeks we've been doing this uh, series that we're calling 40 Days of uh, Relationships. And uh, today is day 26. You're a little bit behind if you, if you think it's day 26 or 27, Peter. But bless you for being so honest. <laughs> You want another go? <laughs> Anybody know what day it is today? You're getting closer. <laughs> well done, Michael. It's, it's good that the church secretary is on the ball, isn't it? Well done. Let's, let's give Michael a big round of applause. That's great. Yeah. It is day 36. It's day 36. 
And uh, you'll, you'll know that there's seven sermons to listen to them. You've heard uh, five of them already. Six more groups to attend. Uh, Forty daily readings to read. And of course, six memory verses to learn. And uh, we're doing this uh, because we want to improve our relationships uh, with one another, but also with God. And Rick Warren says in the Relationship Principles, learning to love God and others is to be our highest goal, our greatest aim, our first priority, our deepest aspiration, and our strongest ambition. That's what we've been doing uh, during these 40 days. We're trying to improve our relationships. We're trying to grow in our relationship with God and with each other. In week one, we said what matters most. And uh, the memory verse for week one was let love be your highest goal. And we said that uh, without love, uh, nothing else that we do, nothing else that we say, nothing that we believe uh, will really matter if we don't have love. And then in week two, uh, we said that uh, love is kind And the uh, memory verse was, do for others what you would like them to do for you. This is a summary of all that is taught in the law and the prophets. And we looked at the parable of the Good Samaritan as Jesus' example of uh, love being kind. And then in week three, we were thinking about love does not envy. And the memory verse was, for where you have envy and self-ambition, there you find disorder and evil practice. And then week four, we were looking at the fact that love is humble And the memory verse is, pride leads to arguments, those who take advice are wise. And then last week we were thinking about the fact that love is respectful. And we said, show respect for everyone, love your Christian brothers and sisters. And that was the memory verse. And so we're on week six and we're thinking about the fact that love is patient. And uh, the memory verse for this week is, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but harsh words stir up anger. And of course this whole series we're looking at it through the lens of 1 Corinthians 13, that famous chapter on love. And this morning we're thinking about the fact that love is patient. It is not easily angered. Love is patient. It is not easily angered. And uh, so we're looking at uh, 1 Corinthians 13 and we're thinking about relationships. And uh, if you haven't read this morning's, uh, this day's reading, this is a little quote from it. Uh, and it says, Since we have been working on the topic of love for the last five weeks, the time has come to take stock. Have you changed? Do you approach other people with more love? Do you find it easier to forgive others and make peace? Uh, as I've said before, you know, it isn't just a, a series that we're going through. It's not just a program. We're hoping that as we do these daily readings as we listen to the sermons, as we engage in the house groups, we will actually be changed. And uh, next week, uh, which is Palm Sunday, we're going to be coming to the end of the 40 days. The 40th day actually is on Thursday, so you have got a few days to catch up if any of you are behind in your readings. But next week it would be lovely if we heard uh, some stories of how uh, you have been challenged or how you've been changed or how these 40 days have affected you. So if anybody wants to share, next week is the opportunity for people to share. If you've learned anything during these 40 days, if you've grown during these 40 days, if you've been challenged in your thinking during these 40 days, we're going to give the opportunity for people to share their experiences next Sunday morning as part of our conclusion of the 40 days, but also as part of our 
Palm Sunday celebrations because we do want to hear that lives are being changed because that's what we're in the business of changing people's lives. If we carry on just the same and we don't allow God to change us, uh, then we are just going through the, the formats. We're just going through it without it really letting us affect our hearts. And so that's what we're about. Uh, we're about uh, relationships. And this week, of course, we're thinking about the fact that love is patient. And uh, if you've got the outlines and you want to follow, uh, please do use them. And the first thing we want to say is we're talking about break, breaking the pattern of anger. Break the pattern of anger. Um, if we're going to be patient, we need to change uh, the way we respond, the way we react in certain circumstances. I wonder what situations make you angry. Well, are there, are there particular situations where you're more likely to get angry than other situations? Uh, maybe at work, you know. Maybe it's at work where you blow a gasket when the work's piling up and getting on top of you, and that's an area where you might find uh, difficult. Uh, or maybe it's in the car. Uh, maybe it's when you step into the car that you become a different person, and uh, you're not very patient with people that maybe don't drive as fast as you want to drive, or seem to have all day to, uh, to take to get places. Maybe it's in the car that you find it difficult to be patient with other drivers, people that can't drive as well as you can drive. Uh, people that don't know the rules of the road as well as you know them. Maybe that's an area I can see by some of your faces that that might be a, a bit near to the point. Or maybe it's when you're on the phone. Anybody, anybody else besides me get bombarded? I get bombarded at church and at home and on my mobile by people wanting to tell me that I can have... Uh, government-sponsored central heating, that I can, I can get better tariffs for my gas and electricity. And uh, it can be quite annoying, can't it, when these people come on to you? Uh, very often at the most inconvenient time, and they want to uh, etch into your day. Maybe that's a, a case where you get uh, angry. Uh, perhaps I ought to confess, this was probably uh, me at sort of 9 o'clock this morning when my computer was, uh, was for some reason not wanting to switch on. Uh, and it always seems to be a Sunday uh, when things go wrong with your computer. And uh, can we keep can, can we keep patience? You know, when things don't go as we want them to do, uh, or do we boil over? Do we uh, wish that we could throw the computer through the window and uh, start again? Uh, we're thinking about the fact that love is patient, and if we're going to be patient, we have to break the pattern of anger. Because the reality is we live in a world where people very often respond in all those situations when things go wrong, when people are uh, annoying and frustrating. Uh, a natural response for many people is to get angry and to not be patient. And we need to break the pattern. Um, of course, some people use the excuse that, uh, that Jesus got angry. And so it's okay because Jesus got angry, and so we can get angry too. And of course, we all know the story of Jesus going into the temple and, and overturning the, the tables. Uh, somebody made reference to it when we were doing our, our, our BMS thing on, 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 on Wednesday, only in, in jest. Uh, but so often, uh, you know, people may want to... Of course, Jesus, the fact that Jesus got angry shows that it's not wrong to get angry. Uh, there are some situations that we ought to be angry about. You know, we ought to be angry uh, that not everybody has enough food and water to live by. That should make us angry. 
Uh, we ought to be, to be angry when we see uh, very rich people taking advantage of the poor or when our politicians misuse uh, the taxes that we pay. Those, those, those are things that we, we have a right to get angry about. Uh, but if we're honest, um, we don't get angry about that sort of stuff, do we? Uh, we, we just accept it. Uh, we don't get angry about the things that we should get angry about. And very often we get angry about that, all that other stuff when it affects me personally. In, uh, in the passage in uh, Ephesians 4, 26, it says, In your anger, do not sin. The important thing is that we don't allow, uh, when we do get angry, to lead us into sin. It is okay to get angry in some situations, but it's when our anger leads us into sin. It's when we lose control in our anger. You know, uh, I can remember, uh, you know, when my children were two or three. And, uh, you know, two and three-year-olds can be very frustrating. And, and, you know, sometimes they make you angry children. Sometimes teenagers still make you angry. Um, hey... I can remember people saying to me, you know, people always used to say to me when my children were littler, it'll get worse, it'll get worse, and they were right. Uh, sorry you forgot little children. I'm now reached a stage where people are saying, it will get better. <laughs> but I've not reached that stage yet, I'm still waiting. And uh, I confess, sometimes they make me angry, and uh, I need patience. Uh, and, and, and the advice, of course, that Paul gives is not only do not let... Uh, anger lead you into sin but don't let the sun go down while you are still angry what a great uh, thing to remember don't let the sun go down how many of us go to bed and uh, as we go to bed we're still angry we're still mulling over what somebody said to us or what somebody hasn't done and we're still angry as we go to sleep and that is just good practical advice that Paul gives us don't let the sun go down on your anger uh, you know, don't, don't, but don't make it an excuse. You know, I've still got a few minutes and I'm still going to be angry uh, until the sun goes down on me. Let's, uh, let's take Paul's advice and not let the sun go down. So we need to break the pattern of anger. We need to, we need to be different. Uh, the whole point of following Jesus is that we want to follow his example. We want to become more and more like Jesus. And so, if that's true, the older or the longer that you've been following Jesus, the reality is, the more patient and the more loving and the more kind you should be. And that's a challenge to all of us as we get older. Because in the, the, in the world, what happens in general, and it's a sweeping generalization, uh, but the older you get, very often, the more cranky you get. Uh, and the more whingy and moany and complaining you get. And, and we, need to, we need to challenge ourselves. Oh, a bit of a woo there. <laughs> hey, come on, bring it on, bring it on. You know, but it's true, isn't it? Very often, uh, you know, we, we, we get more angry about stuff. And we get less patience. Uh, you know, how many of us are, are less patient, you know, now that our children have grown up? You know, how, how many of us are less patient when we see children misbehaving? And we've conveniently forgot that we too had children that misbehaved. Uh, we need uh, to, to break the pattern of anger. Jesus said, you've heard it was said, eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. That's how the world lives, isn't it? Eye for an eye, tooth for a tooth. If somebody, if somebody does something bad to you, get them back. Uh, you know? Uh, but I tell you, do not resist an evil person. If someone strikes you on the right cheek, 
turn to him the other also. Jesus shows a completely different way to react when people are aggressive or even attack you. Absolutely, totally different to the world that we live in. You know, how many of us, you know, uh, you know we, we, we feel that we've been wronged and we go to somebody and we tell them and they say, yeah, you're right, you should be angry about that. Yeah, you need to, you need to tell people that they've, they've done this and, and, we, and if we're not careful, uh, we, we, we get into that pattern, that cycle where people are actually encouraging us to be angry and to retaliate and yeah, you've been wronged here. And Jesus says, there's a completely different way. And this is the way that he wants us to go. Um, break the pattern of anger. Again, it's a decision. Uh, all these things, have you noticed? We remember when we were talking about love, we said it's a decision to love people. It's not a feeling. And of course, anger is a feeling that rises up and, and can take control of us. And we have to make the choice that we're not going to be like that. Even if all of our nature and everything inside us tells us this is how we should respond. This whole series about, is about relationships. It's about how we relate to one another in a Christian and Jesus-like way. Break the pattern of anger. That's the first thing that we want to say. And then we, the second thing is guard your relationships. Guard your relationships. Break the pattern of anger and then guard your relationships. Our text for the week says, A gentle answer turns away wrath, but harsh words stir up anger. A gentle answer turns away wrath, but harsh words stir up anger. The reason why we're encouraging people to learn these scriptures is when, this is a great scripture to have in your mind when you're in a situation where you feel yourself getting angry. Because very often when when you're angry, the way you speak changes. And if you can bring this verse to mind, a gentle answer turns away wrath, but harsh words stir up anger. You know, you won't get into a fight or a conflict with whoever it is that's making you angry. And how many of us, you know, say, you know, we, we do act very childly. We say, well, he or she made me angry. And we try and put responsibility on them, don't we? This person made me angry. As if, be, as if we're a placid, uh, timid sort of person. And it's because of this horrible, evil person that said something that's made us angry. And, and when we do that, what we're trying to do is we're trying to shift blame onto somebody else. But also, we might not be acknowledging the fact that there is anger within us. Uh, some people are very easily angered, don't we? Aren't they? And that's probably because... There's something within them that's not being dealt with. They might even be angry with themselves rather than the other person. And they've never really handed that situation to God and dealt with it. And so we continually get angry. And we blame somebody else. They made me angry. This situation made me angry. When actually the reality is, maybe we're just an angry person because of what life has done to us, because of circumstances and experiences, has made us angry. And we've had other people around us. This is why it's important to guard our relationships. Don't surround yourself with people who are going to encourage you to retaliate. Encourage you to, to, to you know, go and tell that person that they've done this. Go and, go and, go and, go and, go and give them, give them, give them a, a mouthful. You know, there are people like that who will encourage us to actually strike back. 
And that's why we've got to guard our relationships very carefully. In the passage in Ephesians, it says, don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths. In other words, stop it. Stop yourself. Regain control. When when you're about to say something that isn't very nice, bring this passage to mind. Don't let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Imagine what it would be like just in church if all we ever heard from other people was words that build us up and encourage us. Imagine how different church would be. Never mind the world outside that we live in, but just imagine if whenever somebody came to spoke to you at church, all you ever heard was encouraging and building up and uplifting words. That's not to say that we don't challenge one another. That isn't to say that we don't challenge one another. Paul talks about the fact that we, we, we can uh, speak to one another in love. Therefore, you must, um, therefore, each of you, verse 25, must put off falsehood and speak truthfully to his neighbour, for we are all members of one body. You know, we can speak truthfully, we can challenge one another, but if our aim is to build that person up rather than to knock them down, it will be said in a completely different way. And it's more likely to be listened to, accepted and heard, and reacted upon if we speak, like Paul says, uh, in a way that is building others up. So next time you're going to say somebody to somebody, maybe somebody said something a bit off to you, and you're going to respond, if you can, just stop and gather your thoughts and think about what Paul says about how we speak, because our words are so important, aren't we? So many children grow up uh, hearing nothing but negative thoughts. You'll never, you'll never, you'll never get, to, you'll never make anything of yourself. You'll never achieve anything. And so, surprise, surprise, they don't, because that's all they've heard all their lives. Whereas, if we're encouraging and we're saying that's fantastic, that's brilliant, uh, I really think you can make something of yourself. That will affect our words. Are really powerful. The words that we speak are really powerful. And the words that Jesus speaks are even more powerful because they can challenge, they can transform, and they can change people. So guard your relationships. Uh, Use your speech wisely when you're speaking to one another. Make sure that we are building people up rather than knocking people down. And then the third thing is uh, release your worries to God. Release your worries to God. Release your worries to God. Do you know it's okay to get angry with God? Did you know that? It's okay. God can handle it. It's okay to shake your fist at God and say, God, I'm not very happy with this situation. I'm saying that in a very polite and and calm um, way. But it's okay. God can handle it. God can handle our anger. He wants us to be honest with him. He wants us to... uh, Allow that frustration to come out. And sometimes our prayers, you know, it's okay to pray an angry prayer. Because God can handle it. But we need to ask God to give us the patience to respond to whatever it is that is angering us in a way that is like Jesus. Remember, this whole uh, relationships principles are looking at how does Jesus react when he's confronted? How does Jesus respond? 
And we see that Jesus has so much patience. If you just look at how Jesus related to the disciples, even though they got it wrong and they didn't understand, he was so patient with them. And time and time again, he taught them exactly the same lessons. And even when they went off and made a mess of it, again, he called them back to himself. And if we just look at the way that Jesus relates to people, we'll learn such an awful lot. Get rid of bitterness, rage and anger, brawling and slander, along with every form of malice, Paul says. How do we get rid of the bitterness, rage and anger? We acknowledge to God that that's how we feel. We say to God, I am angry. I do feel I've been wronged. I do feel I've been aggrieved. I am annoyed at this situation. We can say that to God and we can give it to God and we can ask God to take it. So often people come and they bring all their woes and worries and they present them to God, but then they pick them up and they take them back out on themselves. The idea is that we hand things over to God and we allow God to be judged. You know, it's whether, it's really, it's a matter of trust, isn't it? Can we trust God in his justice and his judgment? Or do we want to sort it out ourselves? We think, well, God will be too, we probably think actually, well, God will be too kind and forgiving. uh, And so I'll deal with it myself. We don't say that, obviously, because that would be ridiculous. But maybe that's what's going on in our subconscious minds, that we think God's going to forgive them. And I don't want to forgive them because they've been horrible to me. They've been awful to me. I don't want to let it go. Give it to God. Pray for the people. Jesus tells us to pray for our enemies rather than attack them. So if somebody really gets on your nerves... You know, they only have to walk into the room and already your heckles are up because you know that they're just going to bring you grief. Try praying for that person. Not just in that situation, but every day. And see whether God changes the way you respond and react to people. Get rid of all bitterness, rage and anger. Get rid of it. And the way we get rid of it is by giving it to God. Acknowledging it's there. Not pretending everything's okay. Because very often that's what we do, isn't it, in church? Because we know what we know what we ought to do. So sometimes we pretend everything's okay when really inside we are raging with anger. And yet we put on a, a, a pretend smile and say, oh yes, it's okay. I wasn't offended. I wasn't hurt by that. And inside we're seething. We're not being honest. Give it to God. Give it to God. So release your worries to God. Uh, as Jesus said, who of you by worrying can add a single hour to his life. And that's from that passage when Jesus says, you know, he talks about the birds of the air and the flowers of the field, how God takes care of them, that we can trust God. So let's hand stuff over to God. Let's uh, allow God to be judged. Release your worries to God. And then sometimes we just need to get some rest. Sometimes situations where we're not very patient and we do get angry, it's just because we're tired. It's because uh, people have caught us and we've had a busy day and we've perhaps not slept very well and then somebody says something to us and we're angry. Sometimes we just need to get some rest. And again, where can we get rest? Well, Jesus says, come to me, all you who are weary and burdened, and I will give you rest. I've got this uh, passage pinned on my wall to remind myself, you know, because so often that's how we feel. We're worried, we're burdened, and uh, Jesus says, come to me. 
He talks about his burdens being light. So often we put burdens on people, don't we? Can you do this? Can you just do this? Can you do this? Can you do that? And we burden people up. We ask people to do things. And, and we know that the best person to ask is a busy person. So we ask them because we think they'll get it done. And what we do is we burden people. And sometimes we just need to make sure we look after ourselves, that we're getting the right amount of rest, that we're getting a, a decent diet, that we're not uh, over, overdoing it. Again, in the, in the passage, it says, you were taught with regard to your former way of life. In other words, we've got to change, a complete change to our former way of life. It isn't that we accept Jesus and then just carry on as we were. You're to put off your old self, which has been corrupted by deceitful desires, to be made new in the attitude of your minds. It is in our minds, isn't it? It's in our thoughts. That's where anger is birthed, isn't it? We feel it inside. Uh, to be made new in the attitude of your minds and to put on the new self, created to be like God in true righteousness and holiness. We're supposed to become more like Jesus. He's our example. He's our measure. Don't measure yourself with other people and think, well, I'm doing better than him and her and that person over there. I'm doing better than them. Our measure is Jesus. And it will always humble ourselves if we measure ourselves with Jesus. Because we're never going to get perfect. But that shouldn't stop us trying. Get some rest. So it's okay. If you fall asleep during the sermon, it's actually okay. It's because you've, you've not had enough rest the night before. And it's actually okay. Finally, change your expectations. Change your expectations. Anger does always start as a thought. Our expectations are how we imagine things are going to work out. And when things don't work out how we imagine they were going to work out, that's when we lose patience, isn't it? And very often, the problem is we have far too higher expectations. We have far too high expectations of one another. You know, we think that uh, the minister's going to be perfect, that he'll meet all our needs... Uh, that he'll never make a mistake, he'll never let us down. And then, lo and behold, he does let us down, he doesn't meet all our needs, he doesn't say the right thing. And suddenly we kind of think, we're getting angry and annoyed because we've, we've put our minister or whoever it is on a pedestal and the expectations are far too high. And we end up disappointed, frustrated and angry. Be kind and compassionate to one another. Forgiving each other just as Christ forgave you. Do you know, uh, I think forgiveness is something that the church has to offer to the world. Because we live in a world that doesn't really understand how to forgive. Doesn't really understand forgiveness. And uh, in Jesus we have the perfect example of what forgiveness is about. Forgiveness isn't about letting people off the hook. It isn't, it isn't about ignoring justice. It's about being patient and kind and compassionate in the way that God has been patient and kind and compassionate to us. Because he gives us a chance, just like the kids on the starting line, he gives us a chance to start again. And then when we mess up, we can start again. And then when we mess up, we can start again. Because God doesn't run out of patience. He doesn't run out of kindness. He doesn't run out of compassion. And he never runs out of love for us. And there's nothing that we can do that will stop God loving us. 
There is nothing that we can do that will stop God loving us. Change of expectation. Accept that things are going to go wrong. I was annoyed and frustrated because I expected my computer to switch on when I switched it on. That was my expectations. I should know by now, but because it's happened before my computer's getting on, that actually, from time to time, it might have a bit of a funny do. But we have these expectations that aren't met. But we can have too high expectations in all sorts of areas of our lives, can't we? Our friend uh, Rob Bell, uh, talking about when Jesus uh, was in the Garden of Gethsemane and the disciples were going to get the swords out, he talks about handling things in a different way. And he says, someone would have to have the courage to put away the sword forever, regardless of the consequences for his own security. No matter how tempting it is to pick up and start swinging, someone would have to say, forgive them, Father, because they just don't get it. One of our greatest frustrations in life is when people don't see things in the way that we see them. When people can't get it. When people think differently. And what Rob Bell's talking about here is breaking that silence of violence and anger that goes on. You know, they attack us, so we attack them. They say something nasty to us, so we say something nasty to them. And in the Garden of Gethsemane, when the soldiers are coming, the disciples, even though they'd followed Jesus for three years, and he'd heard all his sermons about loving and praying for your enemies, their reaction is to take out the sword. And Jesus wants to break that pattern and that mold and way of living. And he wants to say, put away the swords. And of course, on the cross, he says, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing. That's the sort of God that we have that forgives us. But that's how God wants us to live in that same forgiveness. And if we can't forgive other people when they annoy us and upset us, It actually affects our relationship, not just with that person, but with God. Because in Jesus Christ on the cross, he dealt with all the sin and evil in the world so that we could enter into a relationship with God. Everything that we ever have done and will do that's wrong, God will forgive us. It's a guarantee. It's a promise. We just have to accept it and ask for forgiveness. And of course, that's what we do when we come round the table. When we meet around the table, we remind ourselves as, as, as to the extent that God was prepared to go to because of his love for us and for all humanity. Jesus died for each and every one of us. He died for you and he died for me. And he died because he wanted us to be able to enter into that relationship with God and with God's people. Change your expectations. Change your expectations. Sometimes we have wrong expectations about God. We imagine that God is angry with us because we've messed up. When actually God is like that father in the story of the prodigal son. He's longing for us to come back to him. He's not angry with us. He's willing and ready for, for, to forgive us. He's looking out for us and he wants us to make that journey back to him and when we do the whole of heaven rejoices and has a party and sings and dances and, and celebrates 
because one sinner has returned. What a fantastic picture we get of a God who is patient, who is kind, who is forgiving. Change your expectations. I wonder this week whether you can take that on board. Because this week there'll be times when you feel angry. When you feel like you're losing patience. Remember the word of God and what it says about the fact that love is patient. That love is kind. It is not easily angered. We can only live like that if we've got the love of Jesus living inside us through the power of the Holy Spirit. He can change us and he can make us more like him.